Welcome to Surf Strong Elite, conversations for a healthy surf community. I'm your host, Greg Finch. Before we dive in, I want to let you know that these episodes will either stream or be recorded live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. So we encourage you to join in, ask questions, make comments. If you follow myself, Greg Finch, or Surf Strong Fit on any of those channels, you can participate in the conversation and ask questions. We encourage you to do so. It makes the episodes dynamic, interesting, and reach more of the surf community. This week's conversation is with Peter Park, owner of Platinum Fitness in Santa Barbara, California, and elite trainer for over two decades. Peter has trained the best of the best, Lance Armstrong, pro surfers Kelly Slater, Lakey Peterson, and Major League Baseball stars Giancarlo Stanton and Justin Verlander, just to name a few. His personal ultra-endurance achievements include three-time winner of the world's toughest triathlon, current record holder for the Catalina 50-mile ultramarathon, and numerous Hawaii Ironman triathlons. We discuss his work ethic, how it helped make him successful, and why it's also what makes a balanced life difficult. How working with Lance Armstrong was like a PhD in aerobic endurance training. Peter lays out a plan to get you ready to get everything out of your next surf trip. Here's our conversation with Peter Park. Peter, thanks for taking the time and joining us on Surf Strong Elite here. I really appreciate you joining us today. No, glad to be here. Yeah. Cool. Um, did you have a good? We're recording the day after Thanksgiving. Uh, that's another thanks for right post holiday. Did you yeah. have a good day yesterday with the family? I did. Everyone was up here. I mean, my my family and my wife is on call at the hospital. She's a nurse, but she didn't get called in, so it was a good day. Yeah, we yeah, went over to the client's things. house, and it was it was nice. Yeah. Was oh, nice. Day. Yeah. Oh my, you're you're just south. You, you live in Santa Barbara, correct? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're just south of us. I, I live in Morro Bay, and oh, okay. um, on the yeah, central coast, far. and. Yeah, the weather, of course. Hey, my wife's from upstate New York, and so we'll talk to oh. the family on, you know, around the holidays or whatever. And it's yeah, like yeah. it's like this this recurring thing. Like either you know they'll ask about the weather or or they won't, and we'll right. look out the window. You know, it's just like okay. Oh, today, it's, I mean, yes. yesterday couldn't have been better. I mean, it was incredible. <laughs> Yeah. So like we, we don't want to rub it in, but I try I try never to forget that. I remind myself right. every day if I'm having a crappy just look out the window, yeah. go walk on the beach. Exactly. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about um like when you look back on your amazing success and even some of the standing records that you still have, like in the triathlon mm-hmm. world and the ultra marathons, can you think of one or two moments that just really stand out for you? Yeah, easily. Two would be the first one would be the nine uh, in God, it's a long time ago now ninety three Hawaii Ironman. That was like I think it was the first or second year I did it, and I actually got married like like a couple weeks before the race. <laughs> and uh, I ended up, you know, it, I trained really, I mean, very well for it. I mean, considering I had a, a wedding and you know right before it. And I I did really well. I think I, I you know I brought one eight forty or something, which is fast. And I it was one of the top Americans. It was one of the you know just after I got married. So it was one of those ones where I'm like, okay, everything. The only thing bad happened is I lost my wedding ring at the swim turnaround. So that was kind of a bummer. It fl- it fell off right you know right at the turnaround. So it's still out there somewhere. But yeah, that was one for sure. I mean, just because it was Hawaii and it, you know that's the, that's kind of like the Wimbledon of the triathlon world and. 
you kind of have to prove yourself there to kind of get any kind of credibility. And then for sure, the second one was uh, the Catalina 50 mile race. Uh, it's funny, you know, again, that was two weeks after my second son was born. <laughs> so I don't know how, why these things, I tend to, tend to have my best performances after a big, you know, personal something. But that one, I, you know, I, I did, I, I remember going out on that race and I just, I knew, I mean, like it was like an out-of-body experience. I was like, wow, I don't know how this is happening. But, you know, at the, at the turnaround, I had like a 15-minute lead already on all the lead. And I'm like, okay, what, you know, something's going on here, you know, and I pinned my finger on it. But I knew I felt good the week before, but I, yeah, that's the one I broke the record and I still hold that record to this day. And it's, it's one of those like, well, wow, how did that, everything just kind of came together like a flow state, just perfect race. And I don't, you know, I look back at all my training logs and go, okay, what did I do? You know, what was, but you can't, you know, there's so many variables. I don't know what, it could have been my son being born, just whatever. It was just one of those races where it was just like, okay. You know, if you knew the answer to that, that, you (laughs) would, I mean, you would be, I know you would be other level. Which you already yes, are. Funny. I still I still look back every year to see if anyone's broken the record. I'm sure it's gonna be broken. Of course, some young guy's gonna come. Especially since ultra running's gotten to be such a big sport now. Uh it, I mean it's way it's like five times bigger than when I did it. So it's you know, there's there's gonna be these young kids that can run two fifteen marathons, they're gonna go do that race and you know, I'll get beaten for sure. But because that was just a triathlete, you know. Doing were, were you training you know, for your triathlons between no, doing these time, ultra marathons? Yeah. No, at that time I'd already. I mean, I still dabbled in triathlon a little bit, but you know, when I had, I had two young kids, and you can't train for it, it's just yeah. not. You know, you can't do the both, and I just, I just, you know, chose to like. Okay, I still need a, a competitive outlet, so I, I was good at endurance running, so I just, I chose to kind of focus on that when my kids were young, so I could spend some you know, time with the family. Otherwise, training for an Ironman is that kind of, especially at the level I was at, it was like, it's a full-time job. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's impossible. I mean, I mean you're either you actually both, training not... or you're recovering or yeah. you're, and then, you know, planning you're what you're going to about it. And, you know, you can't come home from a five-hour bike rather than have to take the kids to whatever, you know, be just be a basket case. So I learned that well, quick, you know. We'll talk a little bit about um, that mental piece because I'm going to ask you about some of the training that you that you did at that right. time. But but talk yeah. about that mental focus and how to um, you almost just touched on it. You have two young kids. How are you able to keep that focus on what you need to keep that edge and keep competing and then almost. I don't know if the proper way to think about it is to disengage from that so you can be a little broader and be present with your yeah. kids. Like how, how, how yeah, are you able me, to do that? For me, that's a tough one. I mean, I, I haven't really competed like, uh, you know, like the full on, like I'm going to win. I mean, I, I dabble. I mean, I pick things like I'll do Leadville mountain bike race, or something yeah. every year or something that, that I, I'm interested in, but I couldn't, I'm too, you know, once I get into the training, it's like everything else goes out the door. I just can't. I have a, I had a hard time. Like, yeah, I'm all or none. It's like, if I can't put it all on the line, I really just want to do it for fun and just concentrate on whatever I'm trying to do. And that was the same with my career. Once my career kind of took off, I couldn't, I couldn't compete like I used to. It's just, you can't, you can't put in the energy to both. So yeah. I got, I'm just glad I got all my competing done when I was that age. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was young, when I didn't have kids and, you know, it'd be hard now to, to try, you know, even, you know, I always try to get people to do like, even I have older guys that are in their sixties or fifties doing Ironman. I'm like, okay, it's fine to do one, you know, put it on your bucket list, but you know, doing it, you know, year in and year out, you're, if you have kids in, in a big business, that's, it's, it's tough. Yeah. So it's finding that balance is tough. <clears throat> Such and something on that level, you time. can't really have a balance. Like it, no, it really I is. I didn't. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, ask my wife. No, there was no, <laughs> there was no, there was no balance there. It was like I just put everything into that, and that was my life for then. But I had to be smart, which it was. It was a tough transition to to re, to retire, you know. And that, and I've done. I've been through that with a lot with Lance and with you know Derek Fisher, a lot of the athletes I trained. That it's tough to go from you know racing and you know it's your whole identity and then going into like normal life. It's a it's a stuff. But I, luckily, I had training. You know, to, uh, you know, training people, and it was very easy transition for me because I just kind of lived vicariously through all my athletes, and it was super easy for me. I you know I went from like okay, I want to be the best at triathlon to okay, I want to be you know I want to be the best trainer in the world or whatever it was. I just went, yeah. it was a different competition, but it, it fulfilled me just like racing did. Or yeah, still and also, yeah, and a collaboration, which it, it seems, I mean, you would have to have support to be training at the level you were doing and competing at the level, but ultimately it's a solo pursuit, right? It's you yeah. in your mind competing at this point, and then you transition to this, this full-on training time and you are collaborating with this person and bringing them to this point. Um, not only are you pulling from your experience you have, but you're also training people at a very elite level in all these various sports. Um, yeah, I could see how that could still feed you that way because and did, that transition completely. is tough. Yeah, it is. But you know, I was lucky. I had kind of like the perfect pedigree for being a trainer. I started out surfing, then I went to. Uh, to volleyball i played volleyball in college and quickly discovered i was too small <laughs> so i turned to uh then after volleyball i got in this really big uh kind of powerlifting strength phase where for like two years i just was, uh, you know i worked in high school i worked in a gym uh, power, uh, one of the best powerlifting gyms in the world in santa barbara i mean all the big top guys went there i was like 13 and i worked there and so i i got a you know just a education just in working in there and watching and seeing what they do and i was always curious about reps teams and how they did it and i learned a ton from there which a lot of people who are athletes and turn to trainers don't get that you know they have that they have the aerobic part down all the endurance stuff but they the strength stuff i really understood well just from watching this my whole you know when i was working and then i went through the phase where i you know i was 200 pounds at one time and i could you know i could squat the, the roof and I, I just so i was really lucky i went through that phase because i learned a ton about the gym and strength and how they did it and the east german methods and the russian methods and you know i just was a i was always a student of that stuff and then i turned to triathlons and and got the endurance stuff and then you know of course i worked with lance and got to see his whole program so i had this kind of perfect pedigree of training and it's like it, it just was meant to be where a lot of people have little pieces of it but i kind of had all of it. And I think that's why I went, I got to train a lot of different athletes because I just wasn't like a one trick pony. It wasn't like I could just train endurance athletes. I could mean basketball, baseball. I just learned all about the power stuff. And, you know, so it just happened. I couldn't, I mean, organically, I didn't plan it. It was just the way it happened. 
And then my education, I went to UCLA and had a kinesiology major. So I learned all the background of, of, you know, you know, the body and physiology. And so motor learning, all that stuff. So I, I, it just, I mean, I didn't plan it that way. It just kind of happened. Yeah, sometimes the best yeah. things in life are that way, right? You you come yeah, prepared I mean, to something and then are able to follow along that path and the opportunity. Yeah, and, you know, I was about to go to PT school at one point. I mean, I was in, I was ready to go. And then one of my clients I was training was just goes, what are you doing? You're, you're so much, you're so good at this. Just, you know, there's a, and I, you know, I, he was a, a guy that I still train, you know, 30 years later. And uh, I, not amazing. You know, he, I, and I was right. He was right. And I, you know, I, I, Soon as I decided, okay, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not going to PT school. I just went in head first into training, and then that was it. And when would that have been when you went full time into training? Uh, Ninety-four, ninety-five, mm-hmm. right around there. And, and from that time, so uh, across the board, but let's just talk about some of the elite athletes. You know, so obviously you trained mm-hmm. some uh, major league baseball players. So from yeah. '94 to today. Talk about the arc that has changed. Well, let's just talk about like the resistance and strength training component. Um, okay. I, I would imagine there was much less uh, focus within that, not just strength, but maybe more focus. Well, I'll let you talk about it. Is it was it more? Okay. They were working more on skills and and that aspect of it, and maybe not as much strength. What's the arc changed over that time? In what sport? What sport? Uh, Major about? League Baseball. Ball sport? Uh, let's just focus. Yeah. yeah, let's just say. Well, I'll tell you my how I got. So, I was in Santa Barbara all you know at the beginning training, uh, just general fitness people, people from triathlons and stuff. But then, you know, I knew Lance a little bit from uh, triathlon. Uh, so when he he his team would come into town when he was on the postal service and they'd train in Santa Barbara, and we I just started working with him and you know the team a little bit in the gym. But then when Lance came back for his comeback, like in 2008, is when I started traveling with him, you know, and doing all his off-the-bike stuff. And so from him, uh, I owe a lot to him. I, I met, I mean, he took me all around the world, and I went to L.A., and he's the one that pretty much talked me into going to L.A. to work. And so he, wow. he, put, he introduced me to a lot of people, uh, and one of them, you know, Casey Wasserman, who I still am friends with and work with some, you know, I started training all his athletes, you know, basketball, baseball, and that's how that whole thing started. You know, I went from like this, you know, little, you know, good, but not, you know, not a well-known trainer in, in Santa Barbara to when I went to L.A., that's kind of where I I really sprouted out and like, okay, I'm going to take this chance and go for it. And, you know, I, I wasn't happy just being, I, you know, I wanted to grow and get better and better and work with different people. So I got some of the, you know, big time CEO guys, which I, I like the, the, the both. I like doing the athletes, but I also like, you know, general fitness people that are just trying to, you know, get in shape and, you know, cause you can change their whole world in that way. Yeah. Athletes look for about this much change, you know, where you yeah. can take some CEO that has billions of dollars, but has no health and change their whole life. So yeah. I kind of like the mix and that's where LA kind of, and I was there for about 12 years. I used to drive down there from Santa Barbara like three days a week. Wow. Week up for like 12 years until COVID hit. And then COVID hit and I sold the gym I had down there, came up here. And, you know, luckily, you know, fate has it. Every kind of wealthy person moves up here. Uh, I mean, Santa Barbara became like this crazy mecca of the rich and famous 
And so for me, it was, you know, putting all those, that time in LA, I was pretty much the only name people knew up here. So I got lucky and had all these people up here. So I, I haven't had to go to LA since. And then okay. I have a bunch and of athletes pe- that come up and say in Airbnbs. And so it's worked out. I mean, incredible. And for people that don't know that are listening, Santa Barbara to LA is not geographically far, but it is. Oh, yeah. It could be hours to get to where you need to get uh, to down there. It depends on when you leave. I discovered I had that wire. You, know? yeah. you left at yeah, 4.30 yeah. in the morning, you, you were good. If you left at 5, you were screwed. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I did that, and that's how that kind of all, how I got to be, you know, trained with a lot of different kind of athletes back then. But that was about nine, 2006 or seven, somewhere right in there. And talk a little bit about, so like within your day, so let's just say it's, mm-hmm. it's like a standard day, you're training multiple athletes and maybe a CEO and then a general fitness uh, person's coming in. Are you having to yeah, I, I, shift? Oh God, hell yeah. I'll tell you a typical, you know, like on a typical day, like, okay, I'm up. I have to get up at like 4.45. I have like a 5 a.m. My first three are or four usually in the morning are people I worked with in LA that I still train on zoom or whatever, you know, FaceTime. So I have a a client in Portugal. Then I got like a bunch of CEO guys in the mornings. And then right around nine 30, I have all the baseball guys. I go to the gym, my gym in town of Summerlin. I have a bunch of baseball guys uh, come in and, and, you know, different athletes, whoever comes in, usually from like nine 30 to two ish. And then I usually have a couple of high school groups. I have like a nonprofit for high school kids where I train a bunch of kids that want to play in college, but I can't really afford it. And that's kind of my giving back hour, I call it, or a couple of hours. And then a couple more, you know, it depends on, and then a couple more see you guys in the afternoon or athletes or, so it's, it's a busy, it's a busy day, but I, you know, it's not, you know, like my wife says, you basically go hang out with your friends all day, <laughs> So which <laughs> You know, I do, but it's, you know, it can be stressful, but, you know, designing and writing programs at night and for people that are gone, you know, athletes, it's, it's, it's a lot of work. And, you know, that's where, you know, my work ethic from triathlon kind of spilled over to my thing. But I, you know, a lot of times I have a hard time balancing that because I, I tend to be, you know, a workaholic and just, you know, go, go, go. And I have to, I've had to learn to find just even the last couple of years more, Okay, I'm getting older now. I'm 57 now. I can't, I can't hold this kind of schedule anymore. It's just, yeah. it's just whacked. But even though I enjoy it, it comes to a point where you know the energy pie isn't as big as it used to be. Well, and a time pie. I mean, you, you it, yeah, not even the rest of your life. Just within a day, like you have a segment, right. and and you're looking for this. Um, you know, you call it balance, but it's just this space. And sometimes, especially when you're as good as what you do. And having that just, you know, there's more and more people wanting that expertise from you. How do you balance that? And how do you yeah, decide? Yeah, it's hard because I have a hard time saying no, you know, to people. Like, you know, I'll have these completely booked and some someone I really want to work with will call me, like some athlete or some, you know, some big CEO guy that I, I admire. I'm like, fuck. You know, and I'll, and I'll somehow fit them in, somehow. You know, and that's it. But then, you know, I screw myself. So it, it's a... It's a rough balance uh, to find, but, you know, just like when I was training, you know, it's, it's trying to find, I'm not great at it yet. You know, I'm still working on it, but, but it's, it's, uh, it's a work in progress. I'll put it that way. 
So this is a this is a nice little segue into like looking at your week. What does your week with this you know allocation of time that you have that right you know you have a lot. What is your your week of movement and training look like? Oh, okay. I you know I'm still I don't care how busy I am. I'll, I'll always carve. I'll find somewhere to work out. So I basically I lift probably four days a week, five days a week sometimes. I, and I always. I have clients that I work out with, so I can, you know, they like me to work out. So I'll pick a couple of clients. Okay, I'll lift with you Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and then I'll teach. A, I'll, I teach a couple of foundation type mobility classes at the gym, so I get a couple of days of hour and a half of that, and then I'll. I always get at least, if not more, at least an hour of cardio somewhere in the day. Like so, it's it's just fun, you know. Like I always tell my people that tell me they don't have time. I go, hey, look at my day. If I can, if you really want to do it, you're going to find the time. You know, if you don't, you won't, you know, so I just find that, you know, I find the time to, to do it. And I, you know, whether it's putting it in, I'm lucky I can put it in. Like I have guys I train online that I just ride with for, you know, we do, you know, on their off day, they pay me a retainer and three days a week, I just ride on the bike with them and do intervals and I can work out just as hard as I want as they are and they like yeah. it. So I've been able to blend my own training with my clients training, which I, that's the only way. I, it would work for me. You know, there's days where I, on the weekends where I go out on my own, you know, ride my bike and, you know, and we need my own space out there. But during the week, a lot of it, most, I'd say most of my training is, is with my clients. And I get, I mean, if you, if you saw what I did, you'd say you're crazy. You, you work out more than, you know, 199.9% of the people, but it just, it, it works for me. I've just kind of morphed that into, into my schedule. And, and they like me when I work out with them. They, you know, it's not like I'm, you know, I'm still paying attention to them, but it's just, it's a way for me to get my train in at the same time as theirs. And it probably increases the, um, the connection. It's this, again, oh, collaboration. Sure. We're doing this thing. Yeah. Together. And I think, I think clients, they, I think, you know, I walk the walk. So they, you know, they always, they like that I do that and they see that I fit it in and I'm passionate about it. And I'm always trying, you know, different ways of, eating or whatever you know whatever. i'm always experiencing i'm my i'm my biggest guinea pig so i'm always trying you know different philosophy i i kind of think okay that sounds you know like it, i mean my principles are always the same but but you know little tweaks here and there they're always like you know oh, what are you up to this week <laughs> so it's yeah. it's it's you know training that's what's training so fun it's it, it's always evolving as you learn more and you you know as you as you do it more you in experiment and if i didn't do it myself it would be very hard for me to teach because it's a feel yeah. thing i mean you can have book smart but unless you have the feel like i can't put someone under a deadlift bar and tell them how to do it unless i've done it you know because you just don't have that same feel and like you can say okay put it here but you, if you haven't done it you can just say oh okay remember to push through your feet and do this or whatever because you've done it and you kind of know what works and little cues you use to help you and you can just give that to your client so I mean, I, I don't think anyone likes to exercise more than I do. I just, it's not a job for me. It's like, I love, I wake up, I can't wait to do it. So to this day, so it's not like, it's not, it's not like a obsession for me. I just like it. I enjoy it. It makes me feel better. And I like being fit, you know? So you're in the right it, field. It, you you yeah, found the perfect, sure. perfect fit for uh, you. For sure. As you've, as you've gone through, uh, you know, your career and, you know, as you've gotten older and the, you know, some of the intensity of training you did when you were younger for the triathlons and the ultra yeah. marathons, have you, 
are you both? So we'll talk about foundation training for sure, but within your week, are you finding percentages of increasing of uh, mobility work and recovery work and other ways to balance out the alignment? Oh my God. hundred percent. That's changed a lot for me. You know, I've, you know, I decided, you know, a couple of years ago, like, okay, I'm going more of the longevity route than the performance route. And they're, you know, they're, they're kind of two different paths. Like what's good for performance isn't always good for, you know, longevity. So I've cut a lot of my intensity down in far as, you know, I'll do intervals once or twice a week, but it's not, and I've learned to go slow. You know, I, I'll go slow. You know, I, 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 when I go slow, I go slow. Uh, and, you know, I've gotten in really into meditation a lot. I do that every day. That's kind of my day. I do that daily, you know, for about 30 minutes. Um, I try to rest. I try to get sleep. I don't, you know, sleep's kind of like my, you know, nemesis. I, I try to get, I, I need another hour. I, you know, I get six and a half to seven, but I'd like eight. It's, there's just not enough time in a day to do it unless, you know, like I start cutting out that 5 a.m. You know, I could, I could do that, but, but at, right now I, I, you know, my body's holding up. Well, I don't, I don't get injured rarely. Uh, I feel pretty, the energy is good, but the, Definitely a lot more mobility work, a lot more meditation type stuff. And I've gotten into that kind of thing. I have a client, Joe Dispenza, who I work with. He's a very big meditation guru kind of guy. And we've become super close friends. And I've gone to some of his seminars and, you know, he's helped me, you know, a lot with uh, that kind of stuff. It's It's been a big, that's been a, probably the biggest change in the last couple of years in my, in my it's just kind of, really helped me focus and get out of my head and, and, and realize how to change things. If you want to, it's up to you. So it's going to his things has been, that's been one of the biggest changes in the last, you know, two years, how much that's helped me. Do you think, um, looking back the, um, the output, the movement and the training and the triathlons was, what was giving you that I, I like to say, like my wife would say, you, you need to go surfing. Uh, the waves aren't good mm-hmm. right now. Like you just need to go paddle. And I just think of right. it as like, yeah, it's yeah. clearing out the carburetor, right? It's just, yeah, for sure. and if yeah. you've included this part of meditation and mindfulness, mm-hmm. that ability to balance those two, it's providing this here. And so maybe it doesn't have to be so intense and so much on this side to give you that yeah. clarity. Yeah, for sure. That's yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. So the yeah, yeah I just had, you know I just make it again like you know I I finish my last client, I clean the gym a little bit, and then I have this little room in the gym. I just it's just like clockwork. I go in there and do my thirty minutes or whatever it is of meditation, and and then go home and write my programs and I see the kids and stuff, and then I'll do a little breathing, stretching, like before I go to bed and that's kind of my, I don't have a morning routine. That was one of the questions she sent me. It's I, I, I have a night routine. It's like the morning, I'm not getting up at three to, to do my meditation and stuff. So I have more of a night routine. I, I mean, and my wife laughs cause she goes, if you come hell or high water, you get it. You do that. It doesn't matter what time it is. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm not. Cause I know if I stop doing it once or twice, it'll just get easier to stop doing it. So I just, at the end of the day, at the gym, it's easier for me to do before I go home the meditation part of it. That almost is where you see uh, the discipline that made you successful as a professional triathlete 
transition right. into and translate into these other spaces. Oh, I mean, hundred percent. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. That the triathlon and all that taught me work ethic and how to, you know, I've never really had a problem with work ethic though, even for a long, for a long time. Mine is like not the work. It's like going overboard with all that stuff. It's not, it's doing too much. It's not, you know, it's, I have that. I just have that driven personality type A that all, you know, if it's 11 at night and I haven't done my work yet, I'll do it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> so for me, it's, it's, it's more important for me to learn how to cut back than it is to be more, you know, driven. That's for sure. I could see, I mean, meditation is, 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 is so powerful for everybody, but in that scope right there, you have oh, to yeah. stop. Right. You have to stop and slow. And, you know, this is what yeah. I, I meditate as well. And, I, and I'm not yeah. as diligent about it. But what I mm -hmm. where I find is when I can't surf for whatever reason, surf's bad, wind, whatever right. it is, if I don't have surfing, I have to do it. Otherwise, yeah. I just I'm spinning because surfing yeah, is present. How that, yeah. yeah, exactly. It's kind of weird how the whole thing happened. I mean, like it was right when kind of right before COVID, I was in LA and I was training a million people. I was kind of out, a little bit out of control. And then the same week I met Joe and the same week, this company called Headspace, which they're a meditation app. I started training both their CEOs at the same exact same week. I'm like, okay, there's something when the universe is telling me. And so I kind of listened to it and I, I really like listened to them. And, and that's when it all started. That's when, you know, I was like, okay, in the same weeks, you know, in the same time, I was like, okay, this is, like something's telling me I need to do this. So that's I need to listen all... to this. <laughs> oh yeah. And it's, it's helped. It's, you know, you know, between both of them, it's, it's helped a ton. If you look back on your career and, and different um, places and influences, could you look and, and, and kind of pick out like what your most important professional mentor was? Oh yeah. That's easy. I, I'd say there's two. Um, Aerobically, I'd have to say it's Lance and all, you know, all the people that he worked with, all the trainer or the physiologist, whoever, just watching that program for the, all the years I did, I, I, I was like a PhD in, in aerobic training, just yeah. all, you know, how they did it, the intervals, the, you know, the watts per kilogram, all that stuff, you know, it was, it's like, yeah. I literally got a PhD in endurance sports. And then I have to say the second would probably be Pavel, the kettlebell, uh, teacher you know he's the big the russian guy i mean i don't I'll, yeah. his last name is like I'll, I'll butcher it if i say it it starts with a t i'll put it that way yeah. but everyone knows him as pavel so he yeah. i met him i went to one of his seminars and i was really young and then i i reached out to him just about something with lance and he he ended up emailing me back and we met and we've become super close friends ever since and his stuff is his strength stuff is just I mean, he's very scientist, scientific oriented and very simple. It's all about yeah. don't make, you don't have to make it cute and, and complex. It's just do the, the basics really well. And, and I, I mean, that it's changed my whole, that his, his stuff is really, you know, in the ability to talk to him and run by stuff with him. And he wanted to learn about aerobic stuff. So we've kind of just become this back and forth with different uh, things. And I feel you know, very honored to be able to have the in, inside scoop with him and learn all about, you know, Russian training, what they did in the, you know, in those eighties when they won all those, and there's, you know, it's, their methods are just, 
you know, simple and they, you know, they last a long time. That's what I, I, I really realize is their, their athletes, you know, their power lifters will go five Olympics, four Olympics where the Americans would go like one. It's just because they, they don't train to failure. You know, they train smart and, you know, look more at the long haul than they do at, you know, one and done. And, you know, so just that opened my eyes to a lot about, you know, because when I first started training, it was just, you know, okay, I just want to destroy everybody, you know, whether it was in the gym or, you know, if they weren't like crawling out of the gym, I didn't think I did my job. Which, you know, at first, you know, I was young and stupid and just thought everyone should train like I did. And, you know, what do you mean you can't run an Ironman? You're like, you're only 30. <laughs> like, so you just learn, you know, I learned, you know, I'm older now. I, I, I've learned a ton doing, you know, making tons of mistakes. When you look at building programs and it, it's almost on, like on that idea. And, and I, with my clients, I, I struggle with this. Certainly when I had my studio and I was training more general fitness clients, I struggled mm -hmm. with this, which is you are it, those foundational things call it boring for lack of a better term done right. consistently and done well is is it's what it's all about to build that yeah. foundation for people that don't have that and this struggle of giving them enough variety to keep them engaged so they're not bored mm -hmm. but have yep. them showing up every day to do those foundational things how yeah. do you translate that to a general fitness client but then how do you translate that that's still important to a really elite athlete of Maybe, you know, let's stick with the general fitness because we have this, you know, yeah. social media influence where we're seeing these people do these things. And, and every time I see that, I think that person does not train no. like that. There's no, no way that person no. can train like that. No, no. I mean, I, you know, I just, I mean, I probably have 10 exercises, you know, not, not that many exercises, you know, if they do everything well. I mean, I think it, it all comes down. I try to teach my younger trainers is that it's, you know, if, if they see kind of feed off my intensity, like if I'm like excited about it, okay, hey, you know, here, you know, do you want results or do you want cute? You know, what do you want? Like, I mean, if you came here to do, you know, curls on a BOSU ball doing a, you know, pop up, you're not, it's not happening with me. Like, it's like, I'm not going to do that. It's not what works. I mean, if you want to like squat right and learn how to deadlift and do pull up and, and just get strong and stable and, you know, so, you, you know, you can do your thing, what you really want to do, like, that's what's going to work. You know, I'm not, you know, I can make it look cute if you want, but it's not, it's just a workout. I mean, it's not training. It's just, you're just it's going just through random workouts. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. they, you know, they, I mean, I have a good enough reputation now where they don't really question me that much anymore when I yeah. do it. But if I show, you know, if, when you show them the technique and how hard it is to do it right and the little nuances of, 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 you know, a basic kettlebell swing, for example. I mean, people butcher that exercise. And then and when they do it right, they're just like, oh, okay, I get it now. You know, yeah. it's, a, it's all about tensioning your body and learning how to link it all together and not just take the bell and throw it up in the air. So I think just my attention to detail really helps people get it. And, and I think, uh, the results they get, they see, you know, a girl or a woman can do five pull-ups, you know, that couldn't even hang on the bar, you know, four months earlier. They just go, oh, you know, they're, you know, I have, you know, 60-year-old women, you know, deadlifting, you know, 185 pounds. It's like, you can do it if it's safe, you know, if you build up to it, you're not going to just start there, but, you, you know, you can, you guys are strong. You can, and they feel empowered once they get that strength and they, they go, oh, wow, you know, you know, yeah, you could go do these little, 
Barbie exercises, but it's not really going to help you much, yeah. you know, but if you, if a woman can do 10 perfect pushups and like some pull-ups and, you know, they're not getting bigger, they're just stronger. Yeah. And yeah. so it, it's, I think it's the trainer's job, my job to like, you know, if I'm excited and, and, and really have their program set out and they see like there's results and there's a training, there's a purpose to the workout. And I, I haven't had any problem with boredom at all. Yeah. And isn't it so fun when you do get that buy-in? Like I think of this one um, client that I have and he's, he's 70 and uh-huh. maybe about two years ago, I, I, I started introducing kettlebell swing. I started introducing mm-hmm. deadlift conceptual. And so mm-hmm. we're doing, we'll, we'll do a uh, deadlift on, in, on a hex bar. And now I, I train him remotely and now it's mm-hmm. almost 90% of the time that we have together is focused on just continuing to break down the deadlift form for him. And right. he's solid on so many of the other things that we just do these nuances and he's bought into it so much that it's, it's so fun. It's so rewarding yeah. because you see this arc go and it radiates out. He's, he's a mountain biker and he's a surfer. Yeah. And it radiates out into all these other areas. And like, I'll talk to a new client when they're starting and they'll be like, if I said that to him, like, well, we're going to spend 90% of our time doing deadlift. They'd be like, forget it. But yeah, well, as you know, when you're teaching deadlifts or anything like that, I mean, it, you're always learning stuff. You're always getting it better. You're always, I mean, at the beginning, they look like, you know, wet noodles. And then, you know, and you have to get, but then once they get the, that, the, the idea of tensioning their body and locking everything, it's a skill. It's hard. It's yeah. not, it doesn't happen in a day. I mean, it can take three months sometimes for even yeah. pro athletes. Yeah. You know, there's, you can walk in the gym and see really good lifters and really shitty ones, you know, and yeah. sometimes the shitty ones are super strong, but they're going to get hurt, you know, and it's, yeah. it's, yeah. it's, not it's beautiful to yeah. see a guy like get up to the bar, a high school kid and lock in and go down and their posture's all stacked up and, you know, to watch that, that's what I, that's what like really gets me excited when I see, okay, they got it now. You know, they'll lose that skill forever. They'll never lose it. They'll go to college. They'll be able to go to any weight program they do and be completely safe. Yeah. And that hip, that hip hinge, that movement that we forget, we just don't, we don't apply it in our day often enough to retain it. If we've ever had it. Some people have a really hard time getting that too. It's surprising. I I think there's fear in there too. They're thinking maybe they've had back pain or they've had an injury yeah. and they're just so apprehensive of like, that's, I've been told that that's so dangerous. And it's just like peeling right. away the layers of this onion yeah. to get to the core to them. But then when you get there, it is, it's so rewarding because yeah, it, it does, it, it empowers them into this place of there's all of this movement right. that you're able to do now in strength and yeah. sustainable. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. A, it's, it's exciting. And then you go back, and then the same client or myself, for, for that matter, you'll forget or you'll be distracted, and you'll go to get into that move, and you're like, okay, I do have to focus. I do have to be yeah. here. And again, it goes back to presence. Like all everything else, right. just, just it goes away for a little bit. Yeah. No. Yeah. So yeah, that's what makes our our field so interesting because it's always. There's always stuff to work on. It's a, it's a big skill that people, you know, and I don't think enough people look at strength training as a skill, like, cause it is, it's like, you know, kettlebell snatch or any of those pressing, any of that stuff is, you know, it's really hard to do correctly, you know, and bring in the right muscles and, 
you know, keep out of extension. You know, it, it's just, that's why it's, it's constantly, I like the teaching part of it because it's, you can always learn. I don't care how long you've been doing it. There's always stuff. Even when I do swings, I'll go, Oh shit, I didn't think about this. And then yeah. you, it changes the whole thing. Yeah. So that, I mean, I, you can, I mean, I'm just a nerd with that stuff. It's just fun yeah. for me to, to watch these people like just get, um, you know, enlightened to like how to do it right. I do like that you, you, you touched on it just briefly as, as a passing thing where you were talking about building programs and everything. You said like, you know, I essentially have 10 exercises and what's yeah. liberating about that is it, this, we come up with this lot ourselves in maybe the fields that we're not as tuned into, but a client comes to you and it's like, they're overwhelmed. It's information overload. They're, oh they're getting yeah, all no, of yeah. this sensory <laughs> yeah. input. And it's like, Hey, no, all we're going to do <laughs> are these real basic foundational right. things. And we're going right. to nail the forms here. And it's, they, I can see it sometimes. They'll just be like, oh. Oh, okay, okay, all right. Yeah, no, because they watch the internet and they see just everyone's highlight reels of like the stupid exercises they probably do just for the internet. Right. And so that's the, that's the frustrating thing about the, the like Instagram and all that stuff. It's just like, oh my God, you know, this is like, you know, and, and half these trainers, I know most of them that post like, oh, I don't ever do that one. Just, you know, it just looked cool for Instagram. Yeah. It's getting eyes right. and getting attention. And, yeah. you know, I can't blame yeah. it for that because I have to do similar things. You want to help as many people yeah. as you can. And yeah. if they, if they don't look at you at all, you know, then it's like, well, you can't help them. But yeah, it's a, yeah. that's a balance like anything yeah. else, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I saw I saw recently somewhere I'm not sure where I read it but uh, you started um rucking I think and uh, talk a little talk yeah, a little bit about that like what is that Uh it's basically a specialized backpack really where you put weights in it and it's you can it's more comfortable I mean it's not like just you take a backpack and throw dumbbells in there it's not the same thing <laughs> it's a little you know this thing really it keeps you kind of in a good posture it keeps your shoulders up and your kind of head back and your chin back and you basically i mean i was just looking for you know something on the weekends you know i do a long something long every week whether it's a four-hour gravel bike ride or and my friend who wrote a book that you know it's one of the books i i, I was going to recommend if you asked me about books it was a it's called his name's michael easter he wrote a, the book called the comfort crisis and uh it's a book about um you know, how just Americans, basically kids, everyone has just gotten too comfortable and they don't do stuff that scares them, you know, anything that is uncomfortable and, and it's gotten with the phones and the internet, you know, like what, you know, whatever it is. And so the book's called Comfort Christ. And I'm like, okay, I want to, I, I just was looking for something, you know, I still run, but I don't, you know, I don't, I was looking for something a little less, you know, I don't want to go run five hours in the mountains anymore, really. Uh, so what I did, I put the backpack on and, and you go walk and it, it's it's incredible it's hard it's it's like doing walking lunges up a hill for like two hours <laughs> you know it's just it's a different feel when you have that backpack than just walking up it's, it's you know it's very muscular and for me it wasn't it's not like my heart rate got jacked up i'm so i'm pretty fit aerobically so it was more a muscular thing than it was like anaerobic or aerobic for me but i just love the feel of it you know just it was tough and different and you're in the mountains. I have my dog with me, and it, it was just—it's just, it, it's just a, something different that gave you know. It was just something different to do. It was a little easier on my body than running. 
So I, I just really kind of got in and he, he actually sent me one. Cause I, he was, I'm like, I wrote him like, how, how you, you're so into this thing. Like, why do you do this all the time? And he goes, just try it and find out. And he sent me one and I, I've done it ever since. And it's, it's become a, a, you know, a staple in my program. I just like it. It's, yeah. it's something you can just put on and you go out in the mountains or outdoors and it's, it's tough, it's tough, but it's not, you know, you think it would be harder. Like I didn't have any knee problems or it's just like walking with the, like I start with 30. I can't do 50 yet. I, I, I would die if I did 50 pounds, but it's, it's just a different way of getting in shape, you know? And it's, it, it, I mean, for, and I, I, I really did it for like a lot of my CEO guy, general fitness people like, okay, that's something I could have them all get. And we could do it all on a, I could get 10 of them. We could all do it like on a Sunday. Cause I was looking for something, you know, cause running, you know, it's too, people, a lot of people can't run and it's too, you know, bikes, people are all different levels, but this, you can just go, okay, we're going to go up. If we get up to the top of 40, we'll just turn around and catch you on the way down. So, so a lot of my, you know, of course they always say, you know, whatever you're into, you know, I know you're going to throw on that. So uh, my, my clients have gotten kind of into it too. It's become like a little thing. So now when uh, you have your pack on, and Opal's mm-hmm. running ahead of you. She's looking back at you and going, what's going on? Like, why are you yeah, going so slow you now? Yeah. And it's funny because I find myself starting to try to run. I'm like, no, it's because it does not feel good to run with that thing on. Trust me, it's no. not. Well, there you go. That's, you see, that's your force. <laughs> that's your force structure. You can't keep yeah. pushing it. You have to no. slow down. No, it was good. I I, I mean, it's something I, I, it, I mean, it would be even hard to, to walk just for a normal person just around the block yeah. you know it's it's it would just be a little it's just a little extra but it keeps your posture way better than you think you think it'd be the opposite like it would kind of put you into yeah like, like loading a on your defaulted top torso. posture yeah. no uh-huh. it makes you do this you know almost it, like d- does doing the like weight a... start to sit kind of lower yeah lower yeah yeah, yeah. So it's so nice you're kind I mean, of it's feel, kind of going yeah, i had zero going. back pain the whole time i did and i i mean of course shitty dumb me i did like four hours my first day you know <laughs> so when you take that thing off at the end you just feel like you're floating like you're gonna fly you're just gonna float the away <laughs> that's what it feels like but it's so fun it's just something different i just looked i was yeah. looking for something a little different to do and yeah. it, I, I was surprised how much i enjoyed it i i, I that sounds like i'm attracted to the idea of uh raising the intensity but also slowing things down so like that's exactly you, that's exactly what it was yeah You've said this exactly. before, like go slow to go fast. Talk talk a little bit about that, almost in this context, if you want. Yeah. Um, well, the go slow to go fast was mainly for my endurance athletes that didn't know how to go easy on their easy days. Uh-huh. You know, I learned from Lance, you know, training with him. That day. And when he rode, like, I mean, I you know, my grandma could have rode with him, you know. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I was like, yeah. why do you go so slow? Like, yeah. but that's, you know, it's that – Staying out of that gray zone, I call it. Like you know, when you're doing the lower end, like you know, now they call it zone two. Now it's become this big giant thing where you know we just call it aerobic training. Where, you know, it's basically anything under like seventy five percent of max, somewhere around there. Uh, so the whole idea is that's you know, if you stay in that zone, you learn to burn more fat for fuel. For one, mm-hmm. you know, you recover, so it's more of a polarized effect. Like if you recover on those easy days, you know, when you do your hard stuff, it'll be much more effective. Where most people, a lot of my, especially the CEO guys would go in, you know, before I worked with them and they just go do that gray zone training where it was like kind of hard, but kind of not. 
just the same pace, the same intensity over and over and over and over. So I was like, okay, go slow and then you can go fast on your intervals and you're going to get a much better, you know, training effect than if you just go in and do that gray zone, 80% effort all the time where you're not going to go anywhere. And that's what I tell like women that go to, okay, I'm going to go to spinning class six days a week. Okay. Yeah. No wonder you're fat. I mean, you're just burning sugar the whole time. You're never teaching your body. You're never recovering. You're always kind of in a state of, you know, overtraining a little bit when you, you know, these people get into these classes, CrossFit, whatever. I have nothing against any of those classes if you do it in the right doses. But, but if you go five days a week to anything with that kind of intensity, there's no, you're not recovering. There's no way to recover from that. And you're not going to go anywhere. So at the whole go slow to go faster, it's like, okay, go slow and enjoy your easy days. And then, you know, once or twice a week, you know, you'll have the energy to really push those hard days, which will push your fitness both ways. You'll get the aerobic, you know, zone down and, and you'll get that high end. And I'm like, you know, I had a guy during a, it was a typical CEO guy that just went, you know, that gray zone. And I tested him uh, at the beginning. He could only hold like 50 watts at his heart, at the low heart rate, like literally 50. And he thought he was fit. And I'm like, dude, you're like, you're like a cardiac cripple. You know, like, what are you like? Yeah. This is, so I, I said, okay, I don't care how slow you're going, just stay in the zone. Like, and you know, now, you know, it's, a year and a half, two years later, he holds like almost 200 watts at, at uh, wow. that same heart rate. That's efficiency, as, you know. Yeah, and as a reference for people for for wattage output, um, could you give an example of like what Lance would be at some of his peak <laughs> training, like what his watt output? <laughs> yeah, that's you know that's well, Lance could probably hold 350 watts at his aerobic pace, like somewhere in 300 at least, maybe higher for sure. And then I've seen him hold. 450 watts for a half an hour which is you know, i mean that's just he just had an engine you know right now like for instance me i look at that zone too like i want to be i'm about 240 watts 250 watts and that's i i always want to that's very good for me you know that's yeah. you know i mean i can hold you know 250 watts at 118 heart rate you know yeah. my max is pretty low it's only 160 so 158 so that's, you know, where if you can hold, you know, that I, that zone two kind of power is super important, almost more important to me than your high end. I, yeah. you know, because if you can, if you're super efficient aerobically, then everything else is going to be better. You're, I mean, yeah. you're going to recover faster. You're going to feel better. You're, you're just, you know, your longevity, everything's better. And, you know, that was another one of the questions you asked me is like, what, uh, what do I do differently with athletes that a lot of people don't agree with? And, yeah. In the baseball world, that's definitely it. You know, I made, yeah. I make all these guys do, you know, like, okay, if you guys had play 172 games a year, if you have a aerobic system that's super well developed and fit, you're going to recover way faster than your other, other guys. So, you know, we do a lot of nose breathing and, you know, low end cardio with the baseball guys, you know, not, they just go in and they come in on their off days and do like an hour of like, you know, 130 heart rate. And, you know, they now, they all thank me for it because they're like, damn, I can't believe how much that made a difference in, in everything. So that's kind of, you know, yeah, it's a huge missing piece. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, of, I mean, just a lot of power sport people would totally disagree with me, but I've had good success with all my guys with that. And, and so I think that's just coming from an endurance background and knowing the science behind it that, you know, people, oh, they only run, you know, two feet or 
30 feet to the base. That's all they have to do. Yeah, but they're playing ahead. They're standing on their feet and they're, they're traveling and they're going 100, you know, never stopping for, you know, never. they don't even have a day off basically, maybe once a week. Yeah, so, when you break down yeah. their schedules, that's the part that's crazy for a major league athlete is it's not just recovery day to day. It's the longevity to be able to maintain oh, that sure. recovery over I don't know what nine months is their season, and they're playing yeah. four, five, six days a week. You know, if if they're an everyday player, they're playing almost every day of the week. Yeah, yeah and I was always surprised. You know, when I you know if I, a new guy would come that's kind of established, uh, and I test their you know some of them would be like I mean. And like it doing nothing, like a little sled push and some kettlebell swings would bring them up to like 190 heart rate. And it would take two minutes to get below 170. I'm like, dude, you are, you are like, your cardio system is like, you're, 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 you're not doing yourself a favor here. And so it's my job just to show them like, okay, here's why. And, you know, they have to know most of the smart guys need, like, why am I doing this? And like, because yeah. like, just do it and trust me and, you know, see how much better you feel, you know, in the long haul, like you, you pitch eight inning, you're going to recover a lot faster if your aerobic system is built. So, I mean, yeah. you just, you just, you're just going to have that edge on other people. And it's, it's, you know, you're, I mean, most of these guys, like, that's all they do. It's like, it's your job to be in shape. Like what, what do you want to do? You're going to, you know, you have all day to do nothing. What, I mean, make them up. I mean, it's so, it's such a no brainer. Yeah. It's so feeling that that's time definitely that, one. Yeah. 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 It's definitely the one thing that a lot of people would agree with me with, but I, I, I push like very adamantly. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, so we talked a little bit earlier about, um, like your professional mentors and stuff. Is there one or two, uh, influential people just in your life in general, not in the professional world that you can kind of look at and that have impacted your life? Uh, there's, there's, I mean, there's countless, I mean, that's why, clients, that's why I narrowed I mean, down to one to two. I mean, cause it, it's yeah. Well, I mean, all my clients, I mean, I trained some really smart people, some, you know, billionaire guys that, you know, they're not there because they're dumb shits. I mean, yeah. I mean, they're all, I mean, I learned so much from all, just hearing their conversations on the phone. You know, I'm not going to name names, but like some of yeah. these guys like are some of the biggest names in the, in the business world. I'm like, and I hear their conversation. I mean, I get to hear, I have a bird's eye view of what they do and how they do it. And, you know, some of these guys say, you know, I see them more than their wives do. I mean, I'm like, you know, I'm like four or five days a week, you know, an hour, like one-on-one time. Yeah, focused. Uh, yeah. But definitely, I mean, one or two, it'd have to be my wife and kids. I mean, for sure. My wife, I mean, without her, I would, I mean, she taught, I mean, she balances me. She does everything I don't do. I'm a horrible businessman and she's an excellent business person. And so she, you know, rides me on that part and, and she's every, she does everything I I'm bad at, you know, you know, buying, you know, doing real estate, whatever it is, you know, getting our money in the right places. And, you know, without, you know, she just lets, I just work basically. She does pretty much everything else. And then my kids, of course, have taught me, you know, like, okay, there's way more important things than racing and training. They brought me to like, okay, you know, until I had them, you know, the world really didn't make sense. It was like, okay, now I see, I mean, I would skip a workout in an instance to watch my son's baseball game, or whatever. It's just, right. it makes it right. bigger than anything, you know, that the kids having the kids and, you know, it's like, oh, wow, this is, you know, bigger than anything I could ever imagine. So it'd have to be those two for sure, because without the, you know, 
if I didn't have the kids, I'd probably just be training myself into oblivion. So yeah. it's, it, they've given me balance and, and, you know, I hate that word, but they've just made me like realize that there's a lot more to life than training. Yeah. It's like the ability or to training step myself back. or training people. Yeah. It's not even an option. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, it's, it's like, okay, you, you, you know, you care about him so much that you'll just do anything to, to make it right. I think back when my daughter was younger, she's 14 now, and and there would be a couple instances where, you know, whatever part of your ego, I try to, I, I'm pretty balanced. Yeah. I don't have a huge ego, I don't think, but right. it, it's like the the humility that comes from being a father is you'll be in something, you'll think, uh, I'll do something yeah. good, and they'll yeah. just, the, the truth just comes so yeah. clearly, oh. and it just cuts yeah. you down. 100%. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> So I asked this question of, of pretty much all the all my guests that kind of mm -hmm. uh, work in the fitness profession. Right. And um, so uh, with my clients, they're almost all 30 plus uh, surfers. And right. what's really common, of course, is that they've surfed since they were, you know, pretty much their whole life. And so surfing mm -hmm. such a high level output activity that while not perfectly balanced, it really hits a lot of the marks to keep them fit and keep them yeah. healthy and keep right. them able to surf. So what starts happening, of course, is they're getting into middle age and they have mm -hmm. a mortgage and they have all this stuff. So think of this scenario where this person has come into you to work with and they just okay. booked a surf trip in three months That's and um, they haven't surfed in a year. They feel tight. They feel paddle weak. Even on a recent hike, they just had to stop and catch their breath for a couple times. Like, okay. what would your program look like for them over the next three months to get them ready for this, you know, intense Indonesian okay. trip? Yeah. First thing I do is look at their schedule. Okay, how much time can you put into this? Mm -hmm. Like, what's without you know destroying your life? Like in the next three months, how much time? I would have them write down, you know, the whole week what they could, how much time they can actually put it, in. and then I would just kind of triage what I thought would be uh you know obviously surfing they gotta surf you know that's what they're gonna do so i'd say okay up your volume of surfing you know try to get out there at least two or three times a week just to paddle because that's what you're gonna be doing mm -hmm. and then you know depending on how much time they have like okay you got to build your aerobic system first you got to go in you know get on the bike you know hike you know just low end for the first month like okay we can worry about intensity maybe the second or third month but the first month just make a habit of getting out there and and uh doing some sort of get a heart rate monitor and just keep it low end and just build your system and then you know look at their strength you know like okay surfing you know push-ups pull up just some basic strength routine not that some not some fancy like where it's going to take them you know an hour or two to do because they have so many other things they have to do to get ready for this thing surf and, and aerobic stuff that's like okay if you do push-ups you know maybe some pop-ups and some pull-ups and some squats, goblet squats and some sort of hinge motion and a little bit of foundation stuff, you're done. I mean, that's all you can really do and yeah. you'll be fine. I mean, you'll be, you'll, I mean, it's just gotta be consistency, but you gotta look at their schedule and like, like I said, triage, what, you know, it depends on the person, you know, mm -hmm. like, okay, if some guy's retired, you know, of course, you, can, you know, you can train them almost like a pro athlete for two months before, but if they <laughs> have a full-time job, it's like, okay, you got to surf once a week, got to do strength maybe for 20 minutes and then you got to get on the bike for 30 minutes or whatever. Yeah. But 
you just have to kind of look at what they can do and then make the best of it. Yeah, that's a great point. It's really like uh, you could you could design an ideal, but if you have twenty five percent of the time it takes to actually do that ideal, that's not ideal. Yeah, and if, you, if it totally you know like takes up their whole life and they're miserable, that's not going to work. Right. Well, it's not sustainable. And, you know, how, yeah. yeah. No. So it's just looking at you know you got to look at that, that person's uh, like how they are too. Like how how under out of shape are they? You know, are they like starting from like ground zero or they were are they kind of fit or you know what's their personality are they type a are they going to do whatever you say or are you going to have to get them out there and like drag them out there and make them get a trainer to make them do it yeah so if there's a lot you know as you know there's a lot of variables to it but you know most of the people that go on those surf trips are pretty motivated to work out to get so they have fun doing it yeah yeah that is what as as i trained over the years and and now just trained surfers that is the one theme that runs through that that's different is I don't have to define to them why they're doing this. Uh, they want right. to stay in the ocean. They can't lose that in their life because it's not just their identity. It's what grounds them and yeah. focuses right, them. Yeah, and so, sure. so you, you just remind them hey, this you're doing it. Okay. Right. Right. Okay. And so it's it, the motivation comes right behind that. It, it's really not, you, you don't have to pull them off the couch to do this because the idea of losing this activity in their life is so intense that, yep, tell me what to do. And that, that yeah. as a trainer, that is you, well, I right. don't have to tell you that that's yeah, just, a, sure. mo it's almost impossible yeah. sometimes. You can't really motivate somebody. No, for sure. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit uh, about foundation training and, you know, it's a topic that we, you could go so in depth in, um, right. there's so many yeah, yeah. layers to that. So you and, uh, Dr. Eric Goodman developed foundation yeah. training, I believe even start some of the origins or origins of it were in your facility in, in Santa Barbara. That's kind of the origins yeah. of it. And just talk a little bit about how that was developed and how that still how you still utilize some of the movements and the foundations yeah, okay. of that yeah, in your life yeah uh, so let's just talk a little bit it's because it's so it's amazing and it changes people's yeah. lives yeah eric came to santa barbara i don't know it's been 2007 maybe and he was just going around to the gyms and like going, hey here i have this new you know kind of kind of method or whatever you call it you know some sort it was like it was like very it was not what it is today. It was some a bunch of different little exercises. I mean, they're similar, but much more refined today. And then I just connected with Eric right away. Like, okay, I get this, you know? And so we just, uh, he took me through stuff, and then we just started working every day together, just going over the stuff and, you know, naming it and doing this. And I, you know, I was much more established than him at that point, so... I had Lance and a bunch of, you know, Jeff Bridges and a kind of bunch of actors. And we just brought it out and, and decided to write a book and, and went to New York and got a publisher and kind of did uh, the whole thing. So, I mean, he pretty much had the ideas for all the exercises. I just wanted it to get out there. And, you know, I used it for, he was looking more for like, uh, more medical, like, you know, like pain management stuff. And I was looking like, Holy shit! This is the perfect way to teach athletes how to tension their bodies and right. get in hinge positions and and use their feet and you you know think about where their lats are and where their chin is and their back is. It's like piano skills. I that was a that was my he, Eric was seeing it from a totally different view than I was. So that's what made it so powerful. I think at the beginning because 
I saw it like in a totally different way than he did. He was like, I want to get people out of pain. You know, I want to get people, you know, and I was like, oh shit, this is the perfect way to teach my high school kids how to actually tension their bodies. And it yeah. worked because once you taught these people these, these things, putting them under a bar was just like, whoa, they already know how to do it. Right. <laughs> they already, they already know how to do all this stuff. And so, you know, to this day, Eric and I still do videos together. We don't really, you know, we're not in business together anymore, but we're, we still do, you know, we'll come together and just do, you know, we talk all the time and do little different 12 minute videos and, and stuff like that. But, Cause I just, I wasn't interested in doing the certs and all that stuff. I just, you know, that wasn't my thing. Yeah. And so Eric kind of took that and ran with Jesse and the other guys. And I just kind of went the, you know, more the training route and, you know, Eric and I are, you know, still super close friends and, and do videos and, and Jesse and I are close. I mean, there's no, there's no bad blood or anything. It's just, I went a different direction and they went, you know, they went to the third route and I just, I just wasn't interested in that in doing that. Yeah. Well, that, that's the part that um, I have some exposure to foundation training, not mm -hmm. in depth, but as right. a teaching tool, like you mentioned, and also the fact that I'll, I'll use some of the postures because of there's no movement. So hold this posture. And like you said, yeah. like, tune into this is your lat. Yeah. Okay. This exactly. is your, this is your glute in contraction and, and identify right. these pieces and how they're working together. And then you're right. Yeah. Now let's and talk teach, about hinging yeah. in a deadlift. Right. Teach neutral spine, teach, you know, yeah. rib yeah. cage in a good position, your head and body stacked over yeah. each other, all that stuff. I mean, that, it's nothing I still do with all my pro athletes. We do, you know, they, every, every one of my athletes knows how to do it. Every one of yeah. them. It's a big part of their thing. They love it. They like doing yeah. it. And, yeah. You know, it's not like I have to force them. They really see the benefit of it. So it's 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 still the you know probably one of the best tools I've I've found in the last you know fifteen years. That yeah. really was like oh god this this works. You know this is yeah. this is something that is powerful. Yeah, there's something invigorating about it because you are you're yeah. you're breathing and you're focused and it's it's not easy. You know you you're yeah. looking at somebody yeah. doing it they haven't done it before and you're like well you're just standing there. It's like no. no. You're, you're, yeah. you're engaged and you have this moment. And so it's not, it's not tense, but you're engaging yeah. in this posture and yeah, there's no escaping it. You're like the, yeah. the level of work yeah. you're doing. Yeah. And there's what you can always advance it too. Yeah. So, yeah. No, so you, you touched earlier a little bit on breath. Like you had a couple clients, like, you know, mm -hmm. nasal breathing yeah. Right, yeah. has, yeah. has breath, um, expanded in what you're teaching yeah um, for you... sure yeah i mean i always i mean back in you know, even with the pavel days it's all the breathing you know the you know alligator breathing and the you know the the, mm -hmm. the power breath and it's always been good I'm, i mean i'm not i don't overdo the breath i mean with meditation i know how to you know i do it but i try to make it simple you know we do a lot of nasal breathing for the low-end cardio stuff with the athletes because they like it and mm -hmm. it works uh but I don't make it, I don't go into, you know, there's so many variables and, and I try to make it very simple and not like they learn the breath and the, how to lift and then they learn how to breath, how to nasal breathe. And I mean, that's pretty much the extent I don't, I don't go too gnarly into the breathing part of it. Just, yeah. I, you know, there's so many other variables in my clients like stuff that I, I you know, especially these, you know, CEO that you can't make it too complicated or it's, yeah. it's, they can't handle it. It's too much. Yeah. Yeah, it's so, it's all it's all about results and get keeping yeah. the pieces in there to keep it foundational and strong and effective, and then 
attainable. You know, yeah, you can raise what sure. you're expecting of them, but it's like it goes back to we touched on it earlier. You have 10 exercises, and these are the areas that we're focused on and nail yeah. these things down. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be yeah, much better in the long term. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So um, so next week you have a day completely open. You don't train anybody, you don't um have any responsibilities. This is a daydream, mm-hmm. obviously. Yeah. Um yeah. How, how do you how do you choose to spend that day? Five hour rack or a five hour gravel bike ride. One of the two. <laughs> <laughs> Just go out and mountain. I mean, because I'm I'm around people all day. I mean, I'm giving you know a lot to people all day. So just to get out in the mountains where I see no one and is 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 that's just for me. That's that's what I'd do on a day if I had nothing to do. Because mm-hmm. it's just you just clears your head and you're out in the you know out in the you know the wilderness or you know I'm lucky to live where I do where I can just disappear and not see a person. Yeah. You know, for hours. Yeah. 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 We were, we, we, uh, we touch on that often. My wife and I, like, you know, during the, the, the lockdowns during COVID, like right. uh, we could always walk on the beach every day that we could just go mm-hmm. and get like, okay, we just go out and get out and just breathe and, and yeah, appreciate that beyond words and, and try to do it almost every day just just for the fact that right. we could do it you know it, it felt like yeah. honoring it <laughs> like let's go get on the mm-hmm. beach yeah so if you looked uh it's kind of a similar question to having the open day if you weren't a trainer and mm-hmm. income wasn't really uh, a concern what would you want to do yeah i'd pick something crazy that you know Mount Everest or something that scared me that I would, didn't really want to do, <laughs> you know, something that I have to like, 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 okay, that, I don't know if I could do that type of thing. Something, whether it's, you know, Mount Everest or like some 200 mile gravel bike race or something that just scared me. I would want, you know, just if I had no, you know, never worry about money and I didn't have to train people and I could train for that. That would be, that's exactly what I would do. <laughs> You know, because I like those challenges of like, ah, I don't, you know, like doing Leadville on my single speed was the last one I did. Like, it's like, okay. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) you know, it was crazy, but it was, you know, I was scared. I didn't know if I could even do it. You know, on the start, I'm like, oh, fuck, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't even know if I'm going to finish this thing. You know, I had several, I had several clients. I I had several clients. One was uh, 65 and the other one at the time was 55 and they competed competed in Leadville and we were training yeah. them to get them ready. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. for people listening, just to, just to find it, it doesn't have to be the exact dimensions, right. but define what Leadville is. So they have a perspective of what uh, that means to 10, do it on a single speed. It starts at 10,000, goes up to 12 or 13, I think. And you're out, you're going over, it's like 10,000 feet of climbing to a vertical gain. And it's tough because it's in, it's in uh, that high of altitude and, you know, I live at sea level, so it's like it's you know the people that live up there have an advantage. And it was I trained for it pretty pretty vigorously, but in the, but I was scared of it. It was like okay, I don't you know a single speed at those last hills where you're you know you have you have one gear and you you know you either walk or you you deal with it. And so it was it was a uh, you know it was and I did I would well and I, I it was great it was it was a great accomplishment. And, so something like that. I wouldn't do Leadville because I've already done that. Like now I'm like, okay, I'm, doing that. I'm not going to go beat that horse over again. But um, there's something else that, you know, like a rucking like 
sex, some crazy David Goggins type thing. I don't know something that I okay. I don't know if I can. I can. This sounds brutal. Like I don't know if I could do this. It's that. It's that. Um, setting a goal that you don't think you can accomplish. Is, yeah. There's there's a driver there, right? If you yeah, look back sure. through all those things, it's just like it's getting me yeah. outside of my comfort zone. Yeah. And in exactly. that place is where I discover what I'm looking yeah, for. Yeah, it makes you feel like, okay, I'm alive. You know, I can, you know, yeah. I'm not just doing the mundrum every day, what I do every day. Yeah. That translates, and for everybody, that translates. What you're describing, of course, because of your level of athleticism and what you can accomplish. But for everybody, define what that is. Def try to find where your comfort zones are, and being slightly outside of that yep. is exactly the same. To no yep. matter where. So I try to teach all my clients, okay, let's, let's first one, let's train for a 5k on the skier, you know, just, yeah. you know, let's see where you are now. Let's set a time and, you know, a pace that we think you can hit and let's work for it and go for it. That's the, you know, that's an easy one that first people, then you can just kind of expand once they do that. And then they, you know, the people gives, give them a purpose to train. Like, okay, I'm, I'm actually doing this cardio for some reason in the future that to reach a goal. So that I think that's important for clients to have some sort of goal that kind of is hard for them. Yeah, yeah, it, it's just pushing them in that place that's just steps, and then it's it's it expands not their world, but it, it expands what they can connect to to be able to accomplish. Like if that far right. goal just seems unreachable, it's it really is just like just outside of this, and then that's why you talk about some of those CEOs and you talk about some yeah. of these. Um, it's like incredible athletes. They don't just appear there. They 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 keep challenging them themselves into these areas where like I can accomplish that piece, and then it just keeps growing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Peter, thank you so much for joining us. Um, where can yeah, our listeners great. find you online? You can't. No. I'm <laughs> uh, where is your I mean, gym I, located? I, I, I and love, knock on the no, door. It, my gym is in Summerlin, and, and but <laughs> the best way, I mean, I love if people ask me, if people go on my Instagram, I think it's Platinum Fit SB. I think, I mean, I always answer yeah. quite. I like people to direct message me, and I'll answer. I like that. It's not that's a, that's the way to get a hold of me. I mean, the best way because I was I check that like at least every other day. And I don't, you know, people like when I wrote my book, you know, the rebound book, I mean, people would text me and they couldn't believe that I actually wrote it. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like you asked me a question. Why wouldn't I write you back? It was like, like Jesus called them back or something. You got like, so dumb. Like, of course I'm going to text you back. If you, you, you know, ask me, but people get the, I mean, it was weird. It was, but yeah, I, I love to answer questions. Thanks again to Peter Park for being part of the Sir Strong Elite podcast and being so gracious with his time and his expertise. Thanks for tuning in to the Sir Strong Elite podcast. All of the topics that we touched on today will be in the show notes. You can find those show notes at surfstrongfit.com slash podcast. Please like, subscribe, and comment on this episode and all of our social media channels so we can reach more surfers and help them stay strong in the ocean till their last breath. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.